Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. If you are a professional that's looking to take your career to the next level and needs some guidance to help you get there, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I post daily content on providing tips on the job search and tips to help you get to the next level of your career. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. The job search process can be overwhelming, especially if you've been out of the job search market for a few years. With technology and change in job search trends, the things that worked a few years ago may not work now, which is why I have brought on a guest that has been recruiting candidates for multiple years as a recruiter in the tech space to provide guidance to help you accelerate your job search to land your dream job. Her name is Wilena Long, and she is an executive career coach and senior technical recruiter for the past decade. She helps people to have a competitive edge and thrive in corporate America so that they can reach constant growing career success. She helps them create opportunities to do what they love and has a unique perspective on how to find a job at a top company. Many people that have worked with her and used her proven strategy have land opportunities at companies such as Amazon, Facebook, Salesforce, Roblox, and more. Now let's get into my discussion with Wilena on how to accelerate your job search in 2022 to land your dream job. Hey, Wilena, how's it going? Great. How are you? Good. How's your weekend so far? So far, so good. Right now, there is a dog show happening literally in my line of sight across the street. And it's like, I don't know if these are professional dogs or what, but it's pretty cool to watch. <laughs> well, well, I deeply apologize for taking time away from you to uh, do you, you know, watch the dogs. Instead. No. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Great. So, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. And my podcast is about helping professionals that are currently stuck in their career and looking for strategies on how to up-level. And one of the ways to up-level would be to find better opportunities. So as you know, with the great resignation right now, there's a lot of shuffling in terms of people are not happy with where they are and they're looking for better opportunities. However, they don't know how to go about it. There is that standard, like apply online uh, and then wait for people to reach out, which we'll get to that in terms of like resume reviews. But I want to start off with more so in terms of like what, in your opinion, if someone's a job seeker, the job search trends of 2022 that professionals should watch out for? I mean, in terms of what to look out for, first and foremost is obviously make sure that it's a legitimate job. You know, a lot of times we happen to be on LinkedIn and we're searching for jobs and you tend to, sometimes you can find that perfect job that seems too good to be true from a company you've never heard of. So make sure you're doing your due diligence and not providing information to fraudulent listings because sometimes it really isn't it isn't real so make sure you're doing your due diligence on that because i think there are people out there that are preying on job seekers to get their information so just be on high alert when it comes to that and how about like any upcoming job search uh, strategies in 2022 that people should dive into 
I think in terms of a strategy is think of the long game, you know, in terms of searching for opportunities, you can't always wait for the opportunity to be posted, which is why it's really important to create a presence in your network so that people think of you before the job is even posted. In order to do that, show up in these LinkedIn groups when people are asking questions about how do you do this or how do you do that or what would you do in this situation. Add your value. You know, if, if you're an engineer, if you're a coder, if, if you have that level of expertise, share that with the community because recruiters are there. And if we see that you're providing valuable content, we'll reach out to you about opportunities. It's our job to find you in unique places. And so it's not just on LinkedIn, but if you're in LinkedIn and you're in the groups where we are also in, we understand when we see people who are adding value. And those are the people we want in our company because te- they tend to you know, everybody wants a value add in their company. So just showing that you know what you're doing and that you're willing to provide feedback and assistance to other people provides a good, as I say, reputation for yourself in the marketplace. And and that's a good segue to introduce you, Wolana, because you're a recruiter, right? So why don't you give uh, my audience a little background in terms of your recruiting experience and how you have uh, sourced candidates? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Coach Walina. Hello to everyone on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is a real pleasure. I have been a senior technical recruiter in the recruiting space for over a decade now, and I have worked at some of the most well-known companies. I've successfully recruited for Facebook, Amazon, and currently uh, I work for Roblox. So I am a finder of great talent. So it is in my, it's literally in my job description to find good candidates for the companies that I support in order to close positions and, and find top talent for these mega companies to make the world a better place, if you will. All right. So from a recruiter lens, let's say you work with a hiring manager. Actually, before we get into that, what is the relationship between the recruiter and hiring manager so people understand the process? Because a common myth that I think a lot of professionals think is that the recruiter is the one that gets them the job, but they screen the resumes for the hiring manager and then they bring them in, right? So what is the from a relationship perspective between the recruiter and the hiring manager? Yeah, so a recruiter's relationship with a hiring manager is truly a, I hate to say order taker, but we receive the role from the hiring manager indicating this is something I need for our team based on business needs. And the recruiter goes out and tries their best to find the appropriate candidates for that said role. Our job as a recruiter is to make sure we vet out the candidates that may or may not be a fit and then present our top candidates to the hiring manager. It is the hiring manager's sole discretion only as to whether or not that candidate is a fit because the hiring manager obviously is in the weeds and in the day-to-day of what that job looks like. We as recruiters understand the role as a high level, but of course the hiring manager knows the in-depth. Once it's handed off to the hiring manager, the interview process begins, and we are more so an overseer versus a decision maker. We're your advocate, so when we are in the ending stages of a final review where we are in a call with all of the hiring managers involved with who you may have interviewed, we are your advocate in that room, and we are pushing for your success, but is not, it is not our call, unfortunately. The recruiter is just there to vet out the, the good candidates versus the not fit candidates for that particular role, but it's the hiring manager's final decision if they want you for their team. 
that's a good point you made because I've spoken to professionals and they tell me that the recruiter uh, screening went really well, but then they don't hear anything as in they get ghosted. What they don't realize is that the hiring manager, even though you as a recruiter want to make sure they succeed, it's like you said, it's the hiring manager's call whether they want to bring you in or not. Right. But the recruiter should never ghost you. We should always be providing feedback. So if you don't receive any feedback, definitely do again your due diligence and follow up with your recruiter because we're all human. So things ha happen on our, in our daily lives after our nine to five that could affect our memory of what is during our nine to five. You know what I mean? So make sure if you are ghosted that you're following what, up with the recruiter or the hiring manager, whomever you spoke with, just to make sure you're able to close that loop. So as an internal recruiter for a company, you work with a hiring manager to write the job, the JDs, the job description, and you post it. Do you source candidates or in terms of like reviewing all the applications or do you also outreach at the same time? Both. Typically for me, I'm doing most of the sourcing, meaning I'm out searching for the candidate because typically the people that are applying for my position are generally not a fit for that particular role. So they may be vetted for something else and not the role in which I'm hiring for. So for literally every position at all these big tech companies that I've hired for, I'm the one that's searching for the candidates because unfortunately the right candidates aren't looking for the job because most people are happy where they are. So I'm the one that's sourcing passive candidates who I'm convinced convincing to come to a better opportunity and leave their current position. That's actually a great insight you just mentioned. So you're saying that the ones that actually apply, a good majority are not qualified or the right fit? Correct. Okay. A lot of professionals, they get intimidated by the number of applicants because LinkedIn, they actually show you the number of people who applied. So if someone is applying, even though the position is open, they see like 600 applicants, they get all nervous. They say, oh, that's a lot of candidates that I have to compete against. Mm -hmm. You. You, you recommend that people shouldn't worry about that number. If you believe you're qualified, you should apply anyway when it's open? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Because half of the people that are applying are what I commend is a, it's a stretch opportunity for them. They know that they probably aren't qualified for the position, but they're willing to try it. You know what I mean? But don't have the qualifications or the on the job experience to do it. So I always encourage people to apply for the position because more likely than not, we are looking for you. Do you think that people tend to apply to jobs they're interested in, not that they're qualified for? I think it's probably both. I hope it's one and the same, right? But I would say that it's a, it's a happy mix of people that are obviously interested in the position from a stretch goal perspective, from a dream. You know, I want to do this job, but I'm not, I'm just now getting out of school and I'm hired. I'm applying for a management position. It's like, okay, well, we're not quite there yet, you know, <laughs> but that that happens a lot. But I would just say, you know, people are optimistic and are willing to put themselves out there. So I definitely commend them. And that puts you and I and I don't recommend them them stop doing that. I, I do recommend, of course, trying to find roles that align with them. But it does put you in our applicant tracking system. And a lot of recruiters and sourcers are using the applicant tracking system to source for old candidates, refreshed candidates who may have applied a year ago or interviewed a year ago, and now we want to reconsider them, et cetera, et cetera. So put yourself in the ATS so that way you are being sourced and, and searched for internally as for opportunities as well. To add to that, so let's say I apply to a job on Facebook and I don't, I, I get a screen call, but I, I don't move forward for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. If I see another position like a few months down the road, should I apply again? Or since I already have on file, they would have reached out to me if it was a good fit. 
still apply. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the platform on within the applicant tracking system. So make it easier for them to find you and apply. If you see yourself as a slam dunk candidate for this particular role, absolutely apply. Don't wait for us to reach out to you if, if you know you're a fit. Just help us out a little bit because when we're searching and sourcing for candidates, we also are shuffling through. If you're talking about Facebook, we're shuffling through 100,000 applications or more. You know what I mean? So help us funnel that down and apply for the position if you know you're a fit. So speaking of like stretch goals or stretch careers, mm -hmm. positions. So let's say I'm a specialist. I've been a specialist for a few years. I cannot get the manager position for whatever reason at my company. Should I take my chances and try to apply for manager positions at other companies, even though I've never been one? Is, do you think it's better to at least try to get, try try maybe move around inside the company, maybe go to another department and try to get manager before you apply to externally to manager? Or do you think that there's a good chance as long as you put good bullet points that you have managerial experience, even though you don't have the title, you will still have a good shot. I think it's always easier, of course, to do it internally because they know your work ethic, they know you as a person, and, and they know the value you bring to the company because you're familiar with the brand. So of course, it's always going to be easier to do it internally. So I always recommend trying that first. But if you're looking to do it externally, this is where I advise people to get a career coach because pivoting from something you've not done is a, is a skill in itself. So you want how I like to describe it to, to my clients is you want to advertise yourself for the position you are looking to get, not the position that you have had. So what I mean by that is on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile, don't always talk about how you were contributing to a project or how you partnered with a project. If you're looking for a management position, you need to talk about how you led that project, how you took the initiative to gear the shift, you know, to making it better or faster or whatever the case is specific to your your situation. But you really want to talk about the action that you led and how you led your teams to success. Your resume and your, your LinkedIn profile is your opportunity to shine. So it should be all about you. A lot of people, including myself, think your resume should be at the time to be humble. It is the wrong time to be humble because if you're telling me I've I partnered in this or I collaborated in this, then I begin to think, okay, well, you're an individual contributor, so you're not a manager. But if you're telling me how you led the team to this or how you were a part of the reason that success happened and you led the charge, if you will, then that puts me in the mindset that this person is a manager, this person is a lead. So let's give them a chance. Let's worth the conversation. Got it. So going back to the LinkedIn, so you said like, before people who apply, most of them, or at least half, generally aren't qualified for the job. So you actually have to source passive candidates. Mm -hmm. So how would you do that in terms of like, what's some advice from a LinkedIn profile perspective that you can give the professionals to make sure that their profile is optimized. So when the recruiters, the recruiter is able to one search for you and you also have good engaging content that they want to reach out. So first look, look at the job description in, in which you want to be. So based on what that role is, you need to pivot your LinkedIn profile to look like that. So if you look at the minimum qualifications for this position beyond the years of experience, but if they say they want you to have this particular coding experience or this particular programming experience or whatever the case is, depending upon your industry, you want to make sure that's, that's spoken into your LinkedIn profile. Because what happens is when I'm sourcing for a candidate and I'm searching, I'm putting in keyword Boolean, what we call a Boolean search 
search to find candidates. So I'm putting in keywords. If those keywords are not highlighted or not spoken into your LinkedIn profile, you'll never come up in my search string. And I develop my search string based on the title, based on the qualifications for the role, based on the duties for the position. So just make sure that your your LinkedIn profile reflects what those job descriptions tend to have. And what you want to do is look, I would say your top three different companies, look at the job descriptions for those and reflect your, your description of what you are doing or what you are looking to do to reflect what those job descriptions are. Is your biggest pet peeve is you search for somebody and all they have is job titles, but like nothing oh my else. Gosh. Yes. Because I have no idea what you did. If just a title, I'm just like, Oh great. I just have to guess. And I have to make an educated guess is is based on the company or, you know what I mean, what did they do? So every single one of my clients that has that, I recommend they've got to provide more detail. You, your LinkedIn is telling a story. And if, if I can't see what your story is, I don't know if you're qualified and I'm not going to reach out to you. So you're missing out on, on opportunities. So as a recruiter, like how, how much time do you spend on the LinkedIn profile uh, when you're reviewing it? If the candidate, I, I'm going to skim at it first, so maybe 15 to 30 seconds, if they are a good fit, if I can tell from the 30-second the review, they have the titles and a few details that I, keywords that are popping out to me, then I'll maybe give it a, a little bit more time and then do a quick reach out. But at first, I, I would say at least 30 seconds is about the maximum time that I'm going to look at a, res, a LinkedIn profile before I move on to the next candidate. Do you uh, go like headline work experience and then about section or, or do you actually go from top down? I personally look at titles first, then I skim through the details of what it is you did at that company. So I'm looking at the job title, how long you were there and what you did within that period of time. Those are what's most important to me. And then I'll look back at what you say, like your, your summary, but I don't really care about your summary until I know the titles you've held, if you were a job hoppy or not, or, and what did you do? What was your contribution in this title? Let's pivot to the conversation on the resume side. I, I see a lot of professionals and what they do is like, they have like a long executive summary. They have a bunch of skills and they do put like the work experience on like the bottom of the first page. But from, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm speaking to a lot of recruiters and the main part, the main bread and butter of a resume is the work experience. Everything else is good background, but right. a lot of people are, are trying to like fluff everything else except the work experience. So like in right. your advice, just focus on the work experience and everything else should be a complement to it. The skills should be a highlight reel of the things that you've done. Your description in the job category should tell me exactly what that highlight real details, you know? So yes, spend more time on the details of what you did at each particular role. But again, write it for the role you're looking to achieve. Don't use that opportunity to talk about who the company is. That's, you only have so many words and lines for a resume. I don't want to look at a five page resume. You know what I mean? So utilize your space. This is your commercial. This is your time to shine. So talk about what you did in relevance to the company. Okay, so speaking of five pages, there's, there's a debate in terms of resume length, like one or two pages. What's your recommendation? Is it based on experience? Or do you think like, it doesn't matter what experience you have, if you can make it one page, it's gonna be really helpful? In my opinion, I don't think it's realistic to squeeze a one pager in a person with 20 years of experience. You know what I mean? It's like, golly, how little is the font or what did you do? You know, 
But I think two pages could be is, is sufficient. Again, depending on the experience you have, if you have a, a more senior level role, you, you know, you might get away with three pages, but I wouldn't get too, too wordy because again, you want to give them enough information to want to have a conversation with you as well. So you want to leave them wanting more. If you tell them it's like uh, a dating profile, if you tell them all of your deepest, darkest secrets, they're going to be like, nope, next swipe, <laughs> you know, versus, oh, this person seems interesting. Let me have a conversation. So leave them wanting more, leave them wanting to have a conversation with you. So speaking of which, again, a resume is a marketing document, not a career history document, but I've worked or in seen resumes of professionals where if they have 15 to 20 plus years, they actually go all the way to like a market, let's say they're marketing director for like 10 plus years, but they go all the way to marketing coordinator. Do you think it's necessary to include the marketing coordinator stuff or you think it's good to remove that? Because like if they're applying for a senior position, they're not going to do like marketing coordinator stuff anymore, right? Right, right, right. I, I think it depends on what's required for the role. So if you've been a manager for 10 plus years, there's no point in talking about your internship 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So as you as your experience grows, the bottom half should be disappearing. You can talk about that in conversation as to where you came from, but you don't need to talk about the internship you had 15 years ago or the first job you ever had as a McDonald's worker or something. Talk about what's relevant to the role. And if the if it's a marketing manager position and they're looking for 10 years experience, you should only be pointing out the 10 years relevant to that particular role. And as you said, the marketing coordinator position isn't going to be relevant to the marketing manager position. Great. So a professional has optimized their LinkedIn profile. They can go to the LinkedIn job section to apply for jobs. But what other types of LinkedIn strategies do you recommend for a proactive job seeker that's looking to make a move? Keep an eye on who's posting the jobs. So they may no longer have that active position live, but if they posted it in the past, that means that's generally their wheelhouse. So they'll likely post in the future. Create a relationship with us as recruiters to la let us remember you for the opportunities that are coming. As I said earlier in, in, in the show, I think it's also important to add value you know, we're, we're keeping up with what's happening in, in the comments of these different things, your GitHub profile and all of this other stuff as well. It's separate, but whatever value you're adding as an extension of those sites, you want to continue to do that because then more people will refer you as well. So in my opinion, I think it's just create a relationship with various recruiters, go where we are, which is in these groups, add value and more opportunity that more likely than not, they'll reach out to you proactively about opportunities as they come available. Because my objective, my main objective as a recruiter is to get this position closed. So whoever I can put in the slot to get this filled as fast as possible is going to make me look the best, but it's also going to get the job filled. So we want to hire the right person and we want to do it quickly. Great. So Let's say I'm a job seeker. I want to work at, you said Roblox, right? You're, that's where you're currently working? Yes. yes. So let's say I want to work at Roblox and I search up Roblox recruiters via the search on LinkedIn. How do I know who to reach out to from a recruiter standpoint? And what is a good message to reach out with to these recruiters to get a response? Because I, I know you probably get bombarded with the tons of professionals about positions, right? So like, how would you recommend a professional reach out to you? Again, I would focus on what am I posting, comment on those things. Because I get inundated with messages, sometimes I don't see the messages. 
And the second you begin become inundated, then it's just a bunch of unread messages that you didn't see. So in order to get in their face, I would recommend one, obviously a keyword search to look for recruiters that work at Roblox and connect with as many as you possibly can. Eventually you'll start seeing what they post about, as I said, relevant to what they would likely hire for. Look at some of, you can see the things that I like, the things that I comment. You can see my activity on my profile page on LinkedIn. Use that as a way to know where I hang out based on what I like and what I interact with. And when I post things or when I interact with those things, you should also interact with those things. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like, I'm, I'm not saying it's a fan situation, but let's say you're, you're looking at it from a fan perspective. You want to support the person that supports you the most, right? So if you are showing love, if you will, to the content that I'm providing and saying, oh, this is valuable. I, I use this as a, as a software engineer. I'm currently working on front end work and I found this to be very valuable. You're telling me one, that you appreciate that what I'm doing, but you're also telling me what you do in the comments. So it's a natural way to see that. But then also the other people, all of my recruiter friends are also seeing what you comment. So it's a two for one, because now the people that are looking for front end engineers are going to see your comment and say, oh, this person's an engineer. Well, let me quickly click and see if they qualify for my role. So just continue to put your face in the eyes of recruiters because recruiters are friends with recruiters. So the second you get in with one, others will continue to see you. There are active recruiters on LinkedIn, but some, like if I look at some recruiters, they haven't posted anything in a while. So like, what I'm trying to get at is how do you reach out to recruiters that don't create their own content or comment? I mean, if they're not there, I can't force them to be there, right? Some people don't use LinkedIn. If they don't use it, they don't use it. You know what I mean? You can, of course, always message them, obviously. Hey, so-and-so, I see that you've been at Roblox for five years. I've seen a lot of great things happening at the company. Congratulations on your success. You know, flattery gets everybody everywhere kind of thing. And then, you know, introduce yourself. I'm so-and-so. I'm looking to be a part of the company. If you have any opportunities that align with my particular experience, please let me know. Or what I prefer would be this particular exact role. Here's the, the job number. Here's the link. Then I know exactly, okay, really quickly, I don't have to really read much. I can just see this is what they're interested in, who's a recruiter, point you in the right direction. Great. Like we mentioned, you get a lot of messages from professionals. So what are the don'ts of messaging a recruiter? Don't just say, hey, can you get me a job? Here's the job I want without even saying hello. You know what I mean? Like we all have to have manners. You're not just going to walk up to a stranger and ask for five bucks or maybe you will, but how many times do you get it? You know what I mean? So you have to add value. Let's make it a conversation here and then ask for the things that you want versus just coming in hot and saying, can you get me here? You know? Okay. So, got it. And in, in terms of reaching out to hiring managers, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so the, like, obviously there's the recruiter and the is responsible for screening candidates. And then you have the hiring manager that actually hires for the position. Should you reach out to hiring managers as well on LinkedIn? It's a tough one. It's a 50-50 split. There's a chance that your hiring manager is active on LinkedIn and there's a chance that your hiring manager is not active on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Again, looking at that activity field will tell you how active they are. What I would say would be the better thing to do is trying to figure out what their email is and emailing them directly. 
which there are programs you can use that can help you to figure out what is the cadence of the company's email and then email them directly to get in their line of sight because they're going to check their email on a daily basis versus they may not actually look at their LinkedIn profile. Yeah, it makes sense. What other additional LinkedIn uh, strategies can you provide? So we talked about optimizing your profile. So don't just have job titles and not have anything else. Engage with active recruiters. If they're posting content or commenting, then engage with them. And then we also talked about LinkedIn groups. Uh, can you elaborate more in terms of like what you mean by LinkedIn groups? LinkedIn groups is kind of considered like clubs, if you will, where they are groups of like-minded individuals. So it may be for me, black women in tech or I don't know, African-American in tech or, you know, different groups that you may align with, or maybe like remote workers on LinkedIn or, you know, there's tons, there's thousands of, of groups. So you'll have to decide what is relevant to what you're trying to achieve, but just trying to hop into the conversation and add, add value. Another thing is also providing content yourself. Because again, LinkedIn is all an algorithm. So anytime that you're talking about something that's specific to the keyword I'm searching for, it helps you pop up. So also talk about talk about the news that you saw. Oh, I noticed that Amazon just came out with a new whatever and here are my thoughts on it and start a conversation where people can engage in dialogue. However you can show up in the marketplace is going to be beneficial to one, the, the population on, on LinkedIn because it's it's all about community, but also it provides a, another opportunity for you to be seen by recruiters and hiring managers who have an opportunity to bring you into a company. Great. And beyond the, the LinkedIn groups, is there any other types of uh, strategies in 2022 uh, that professionals should utilize LinkedIn to make sure they get the full advantage of the platform? I would recommend posting your own content. You don't have to post it in groups. You can post it on your personal page and it can attract people. Be honest, be authentic. You know, don't just be robotic in who you are. Your LinkedIn should reflect your personality as well. And so should the content in which you're putting out to the world. So treat it, I'm not saying put all your personal business on there, but Again, talk about things that are relevant in 2022. What are things you're hearing in the news? Oh, the stock dropped today, this, this, and this, or whatever. You know, just providing content, I think, will help, again, show your personality and show that you bring something to the marketplace. There's a couple of new features on LinkedIn, the cover video story, and then the feature section where you can put like portfolio pieces. What's your thoughts on uh, those two as a recruiter? Honestly, I'm not necessarily looking at the cover videos unless I'm interested in you already, then I might look at it. The features page, I don't think is, it's not something super new to me because if I'm looking at like product designers and things like that, they're known to put their portfolio links in the profiles and things like that. So I'm accustomed to looking for them if that's the type of position I'm looking for. But if they have, a, you know, as they're highlighting it even more so now on LinkedIn, you, you know, any opportunity you can put some of your information on there, the better. I'm not saying it's a waste of time doing it. I'm just saying for me, I don't look at it until certain things until I've qualified the candidate as a success. But videos aren't going to lure you to an opportunity because it's 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 a video versus LinkedIn is used for keyword searches from a perspective of a of a recruiter to a candidate. So it goes back to the resume. The work experience is the bread and butter. Everything else is supporting your candidacy, but the work experience has to be good before anything else really matters. Yes, correct. Okay. Well, now mm -hmm. let's move on. We, we can't talk about job searching without talking about the resume. So mm -hmm. 
in regards to that, a lot of people do the spray and pray approach, which is like they take the same resume and apply to like every single job with it and they'll change it. They don't want to, and the other extreme is like, they don't want to tailor the resume for every job. And I mean, what I mean tailoring is like rewrite it for every single job because it's very time consuming. So what, what's your thought process on like how to tailor it enough that you're not spending hours on like always reworking resumes for applications or, or unless you should, if it's a job that you really want. I think you should apply to every job that you really want, right? If you're putting yourself out there, it should be something that you really want. So you should want to invest the time in tailoring each resume. Um, a lot of companies are looking for people that can highlight their brand and their not just what you do, but who you are. And so when you're doing your research on each company, you should really be researching before you apply to each company, understand what is their mission statement? What are their values? What are their core competencies and core values as a company? And then of course the job description to understand exactly what this particular role is. You should pivot your resume to reflect those, those components. What are their core values? You need to somehow figure out a way to word those values into your into your resume. So for example, if it says, be bold, talk about how you took ownership on something and completely pivoted the path that caused 10x a success. You know what I mean? Something like that. I'm not saying be literal and copy and paste the, the core mission statement into your resume. We're talking about showing examples on how you live and breathe those mission statements and those values. And then also in particular to the job descriptions, make sure if it if they thought it was important enough to put on the job description as a requirement or as a nice to have on your on the job description, you want to make sure you do your due diligence to make sure they that's reflected in your job in your resume. So they don't have to question, is this person capable? Do they have this experience? Because you've tailored it in such a way, I don't have to question it. I know you have it because it's there. So, for example, Amazon is very famous for their uh, leadership principles. So if you read the leadership principles, you want to make sure your resume in those in those bullet points actually highlight the leadership principles that they want in their employees. You're talking about how you're breathing those leadership principles. I'm not saying specifically copy and paste what they say. I'm saying talk about how you did it. Show me the action to, towards the bullet point that, that the job description or the company is, is pointing out. And how about cover letters? I, I know there's a debate in terms of like whether recruiters read them or not. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? I personally don't read them, but the hiring manager, you're writing the cover letter for the hiring manager more so than the recruiter in most cases. So the hiring manager is going to be more likely to read it than I would, but I wouldn't say it's, it's a waste of time to do. Always put it together, show that extra level of you know, tailoring that you find this to be so valuable, uh, this opportunity that you wrote a cover letter, a cover letter for it. And that's something that the, the hiring manager, again, will get to read your synopsis before we're going into an interview with you. That's actually, you make a good point because everybody talks about how recruiters, they do or don't read cover letters. But when you submit uh, a candidate that you think is qualified, you send them the whole application if they have portfolio, like everything, and then the hiring right. manager will review it more closely. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people, they, they miss the equation of like, okay, just because recruiters don't read the cover letter doesn't mean the hiring manager won't. Like the hiring exactly. manager might. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. Because what the hiring manager tends to look at is our notes as the recruiter, probably your LinkedIn profile. And I would say your cover letter, because again, it's a high level overview of who you are is what you're typically describing, describing as you introduce yourself in a cover letter. Great. And from... 
from application to the first round screening call, how long does it take usually to get a response back uh, if you are shortlisted? I mean, honestly, that depends on the company and the role and how many applications they have to funnel through. But I would say it could be a week. It could be a uh, could be a day, you know, depending on if not a lot of people are applying for the role, they're staring at who's coming in. But it could be a week, a couple of weeks, just depends on how many people are applying for the position and how popular that particular role is. Like for more junior and entry level positions, there's going to be a more influx of people applying to it because everybody's trying to get their foot in the door. So I always recommend if you can figure out who the recruiter is, still reach out to them however you can, whether you find their email address, your link, their LinkedIn profile, so that they know to look for your name at the top of the pile or bring, bring your name to the top of the pile. And in regards, to, in regards to that, so let's say for some reason I miss this job and it's been up for three weeks mm-hmm. and there's 200 plus applicants as an example. Should I still bother applying or have you already gone through like shortlist already? So there is, so the chance of you be, uh, reaching out when there are three weeks into the process is... is, is it, as we, we want to get your application and your profile into the applicant tracking system. The position is still open because the position hasn't been filled. They will close it once that person has started. So even if they have already have final interviews or whatever, until that person starts, there's still a chance. So still apply for the position and put yourself in the process. They, they may have already gone through certain phases of the interview where they may not be bringing in new people. But in most cases, they're hiring multiple people for that same role. Most, most job opportunities for bigger companies anyway are pipeline. So they have 10 of the same people that they're looking to hire, 10 of the same opportunities. So still apply and they can funnel you to, to uh, the next job requisition. In your experience as a recruiter, I know a lot of bigger companies are doing this where they send candidates a link and then they have to uh, answer one-way uh, interview questions. Or have you had experience with that? I, I have had experience with that in general, personally. I've not been at companies like Roblox uh, I, that I know of hasn't done that. Facebook that I know of isn't doing, none of the positions that I hire for, I should say, are doing those things. But I am familiar with companies that do that behavioral assessment. So what's some advice for professionals that need to do these uh, video recording answers? They're looking at your face. Obviously, that's a whole thing. So make sure you're always smiling, not weirdly grinning, but just, you know, always look like you're pleasant, that you are thinking your answers through because somehow they have an AI technology that's gauging in in some of these systems. They're using some type of AI technology to determine whether or not you're lying, you're being honest, you're not actually nice whatever, how do you communicate? So take your time when when you're doing those, make sure you take your time. Don't rush through your answers because then your speech sounds mumbled sometimes. So then I'm wondering, the AI technology may, may discredit you as a good speaker because you're rushing through your answers. And then also, like I said, your facial expressions are really important. Typically those type of, of things are used for like customer service type jobs or service based industries. Like I know airline delta uses it and again that's more of a service-based industry that's what they're using it for so always just seem pleasant and and take your time speak clearly so that they can understand the things that you're sharing 
I think one of the issues is that I think these interview questions are time, like maybe you only have three minutes, so they feel stressed, like, okay, I gotta answer this question well in three minutes. And they also don't know what the question is usually. So like, how could someone prepare for something such as this? A career coach. Someone like myself knows what they're asking. So I'm my job as a career coach is to prepare you for every interview. We do mock interview training in my programs. So when you do have those interviews, there's nothing they can bring up that's going to make you be like, oh, I didn't expect this. You know what I mean? That's what proper training is. It's just like watching football or playing for the NFL. Your coach has prepared you for everything the other team is going to bring to you. So my job as your coach is to prepare you for anything that could come your way. And in regards to that, what are some common interview blunders that you've experienced interviewing candidates? People fumble. I mean, if you're nervous and unprepared, it could be anything. Tell me about yourself. People get overwhelmed and, and forget how to describe themselves. You know, people, when, when they're asked to tell me about yourself, they're telling me about the companies they worked for. I'm not asking what companies you work for. I have your own profile to tell me that. I want you to tell me about you. I'm trying to understand who you are. You are not your company. So be very clear and understand exactly what I'm asking you and only answer the questions I'm asking. Don't think you've got to like answer every single question you think I'm going to ask all in one sentence because then you start to ramble and then my mind starts to wander because I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is just never going to stop talking. And then I have to interrupt you because I have to get control of the call. So I would just say, answer what is being asked and take your time. Tell me about yourself is a common thing that people mess up or tell me about your weakness. Your weakness should always be a strength as well or something you've overcome. Never talk about, don't, don't overshare. Some people overshare, they get so nervous that they tell the absolute God honest truth and not saying, you, I'm not telling you to lie, but I don't need to know, oh, well, I drink too much or I don't like my kids or you know things that are irrelevant to the job. Talk about how you've overcome an obstacle and how that was your weakness, but now it's something you've turned into a strength, for example. Yeah, one question that some professionals get stuck on is what happened at your last job if they were laid off, right? And then it's, it's not it is not therapy. It's not like this whole feel of what happened. Like you, you got you 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 want to be honest and keep it brief, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're laid off, that that's an honest answer. You know, the company was laid off. You know, a lot of people been been affected. Peloton recently was in the news for a lot of layoffs. You don't have to worry about how are we going to look bad upon this person because they were laid off. No. It's not the same as being fired. It'd be different if you were let go because you weren't performing, you know, versus the company had layoffs. That's that's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, people think like they feel guilty of getting laid off, so they feel embarrassed. But like again, a layoff is different than a firing due to bad performance. Correct. Yes. And how about behavioral questions? A lot of people get stuck on those type of questions. So what are some common mistakes that people make during answering behavioral questions? So in terms of beyond, you know, the tell me about yourself and all of that. So for example, Facebook, Roblox, all of these big tech companies, when they're asking you a specific question regarding, tell me about a time you've had a, you've almost missed a deadline or tell me about a time where you had to work with ambiguity or something of those nature. Be specific. So start every answer with at the company I worked for, this happened. Don't say I would or I could, because then that means to, that's telling me, did you actually do it? Or is this a hypothetical response? 
I need you to be specific. Again, that's what a career coach is going to put you through. They're going to give you all the answers to these questions and get, so that you've already practiced. So you're already prepared. You've written down your answers, all of that. But if you're not going to have a career coach, my advice would be make sure you start every response with uh, at Amazon. I was responsible for leading a project that had very little guidance. I was responsible for getting all the key stakeholders together, create a you know create a timeline in place, et cetera, et cetera. But talk about an actual time you did it. Don't talk about a hypothetical. If it is a technical position, talk technical. A lot of people think because the hiring manager is in this position, and obviously, yes, they know exactly what you mean and how to say everything. But if you're too general, in those 30 minutes, the hiring manager doesn't know if you're actually technical enough. And it, you never want a hiring manager to leave a conversation thinking, I wish I had more time because I really don't know. The hiring manager in most cases isn't gonna ask for another interview. So make sure if they're asking you to tell me your top-down approach for something or tell me how you would build something from scratch, literally talk to them as if they're a preschooler, dissect the entire thing from start to finish, and then ask, do you need more information or is that sufficient? And they'll ask, you know, if you have more questions, but make sure you're giving them what they're asking for and not from a high level perspective. Yeah, never assume, right? Yes, they are in that role, but they want to know that you know that role or exactly. the department. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying before is like, what you said like during my time at Amazon, it's, it's a star format that you use, right? Right. If someone does not want to hire a career coach, wants to learn on their own, the star format is the right approach to answering interview questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because you're telling your story. Ultimately, every response should be a story. You should you should impel the person or compel the person in into your story. Let them vision and follow your journey through the vision that you're telling them. So tell them about a time you did it. What was your approach? What task was it? And what was the result? Great. And if I was a professional that is looking to make a move. What do you think I should be doing the next couple of weeks so I can get myself ready to start proactively looking and get that next opportunity I'm looking for? I think first dissect what it is that you're currently doing. What is your manager doing? Define what those two different tasks are. How can, if, if your goal is to level up or if you're looking for a lateral, lateral position, decide that. What is it that you want to do next? And then you're probably going to need to redo your resume from the position of what position you're looking to receive. Don't leave it as it is because that old resume is what got you into the current role. So now you need a new resume to get you into the next role. It should always be changing for the position that you're going for. Yeah, I think a common thing is people write for what they do, not what they want to become. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Great. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss all these job search strategies for someone that's looking to make a new opportunity in 2022. So I want to end this podcast with one question for you. So my podcast, as you're aware, is about helping professionals overcome career challenges. So for you, what has been one career challenge that you face and what were the steps you took to overcome it to get to where you are today? Yeah, for me, I wanted initially, I thought to be a teacher. So I, I took the path of teaching early on in my career, realizing that early on you weren't going to make a lot of money being a teacher, unfortunately. So I had to recreate myself because that was who I identified as for several years. And so for me, I had to redefine what what do I do? Who am I? What can't what do I even qualify for? 
You know what I mean? I didn't go to school for this particular thing. And how, how do I position myself in the marketplace to get opportunities? And for me, I had to just go out and get it. I moved into a corporate America position and climbed my way up to be able to work for these big tech companies. So my advice would also be to just keep going. You know, it's okay to stumble. It's okay to deal with things. You know, layoffs happen. The world is changing right now. No one can call what's going on next. You know what I mean? So just know that there there is a sun at the end of this road and just keep walking towards it. Something better will come. Awesome. Again, appreciate the time. So, Willena, how can people reach out to you if they need some guidance and advice in their career? Yes, I am hosting a free workshop. You can actually go to yourfavoritecareercoach.com to sign up. I do them on a regular basis. So for free, I'm teaching people how to negotiate the offer, how to optimize their resume, their LinkedIn profile, how to talk to me as a recruiter, how to get me to find you. So all of this I'm, I'm giving away for free um, and you can sign up at yourfavoritecareercoach.com. Great. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And again, appreciate the time. And now you can go watch the dog show. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you again to Willana for providing some insights and strategies on how to be effective in your job search if you're looking for a new opportunity in 2022. If you want to hear my own personal insights on this topic, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you are a professional that is looking to get some career guidance to help you take your career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan, where I post daily content on the key topics of the job search and provide you with career guidance to take your career in the direction that you want it to go. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. Again, this is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.